Life's too short. Life's too damn short. So, eat everything. Try anything. Exercise. Experience all that life has to offer. Here's exercise physiologist, medical journalist, and healthy talk host, Melanie Cole, MS. If you're one of the millions of people in their 50s and 60s who find themselves out of work, unable to find a job, and financially incapable of retiring, it can be so scary. And as somebody who is turning 55 this year, and my husband is now 51, it's a scary time because you just don't know when or if you're going to be able to retire. You're not sure how much you're going to need to retire. Well, today we're talking to Elizabeth White. She's a seasoned nonprofit executive author and aging solutions advocate for older adults facing uncertain work and financial insecurity. Elizabeth, I want to just start by asking you what is considered financial wellness? What does it mean to be financially well off? So what it means now for me is something very different than it meant before. So what it means uh, for me is how do I live well on a much more modest income? And that means asking questions about what does it take for me to feel grounded and content? Because in my 50s now, and for many Americans in their 50s, People are, the data shows, losing their jobs, and then when they get jobs again, they're not getting jobs that paid as well as the ones they left. So my book is really about how do you, more than downsizing, how can you have a textured and meaningful life on a much more modest income? And that means things like, for me, it has meant getting off my throne Uh, I'm someone who had big jobs. I managed a lot of people. I'm in New York. Uh, Today, I took the bus up here. I was not going to miss this meeting because I needed to take Accela. Uh, It's meant that I had at uh, some point to get a roommate. I had lived alone for, you know, much of my uh, adult life. But when that is what made sense, then I, I, I did that. And I've had to think in terms of multiple income streams because what the data shows now is what I was saying before, over 50% of people are going to be pushed out of their jobs in their 50s. They're not going to get the same kind of W-2 job with benefits they may be left. So a huge mindset shift now, I think, has a lot to do with financial wellness way beyond the actual number there. Because the number, the median retirement savings for people near retirement in this country, so 55 to 64, is $15,000. Yikes. For middle-income Americans, it's $60,000. And think about how long we're going to live. We've got, you know, longevity bonus. We're going to live well into our 70s. And we've got $60,000 saved. So we have to think differently about, you know, the model of beaming boomer standing in front of their recently bought pizza parlor, you know, or golf all the time. That's not going to be the reality for most of us. Which blows because the fact is that as you get older, you feel to yourself, 
This is when I get to go out to dinner without guilt. I don't have to hire a babysitter. Or this is when I can go to Florida if I want to and stay there a month or, you know, do these kinds of things as we get older. And it doesn't seem like that's going to happen for so many people. And Elizabeth, I'll just tell you my own story. My dad is 95 and he works full time because... He just really can't afford not to. I mean, he's happy to work. He teaches math. He's happy about it. But that's not everybody. And it's it's so, so scary. What are some common mistakes that you think that the baby boomer generation made with their money or some tips that we can do? You mentioned taking the bus and maybe not going out quite as much. What are some of their biggest fears and what are some of the most common mistakes they made that you would like them to change? So here's uh, a way I would frame that a little differently. I think that there is, um, we live in a blame and shame culture. So there's this sense that if you landed here, certainly you must have screwed up and that you should have been able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But here's what I say to that. Your bootstrap ingenuity is no match for disappearing pensions. It's no match for escalating costs in health care, education, and housing, and it's no match for stagnant wages. What I say is you're not going to be able to, like, head fake your way around rampant age discrimination. There are things that are beyond your doing that landed you here. Now, I will also say we could have saved more. If you rifle through my background, you're going to see, oh, she did this dumb thing. Why did she invest in that? She had a business. Why did she have the business? You're going to find dumb things that I did, as you will with everybody. But the truth is, when you have 40% of middle-class Americans near retirement looking at downward mobility into poverty or near poverty, there's a systemic thing happening. These aren't all spendthrift, uh, losers, irresponsible planners. There's something bigger happening, and that's the conversation uh, that I'm hoping to start with this book and for people to have some way of dealing with in the meantime. Because this is a moonshot kind of problem. Sure. And then there's where we are right now, and people need a strategy for dealing with what's happening now. And that's what I uh, offer with the book. Well, there's a couple of things I'd like to examine here. So first of all, is if they do get another job, what careers do you think are out there now because the healthcare field is burgeoning? I'm lucky I got a job behind a microphone because I was personal training and that gets tiring, you know, going house to house, driving around. But what do you think are some careers that might lend themselves to people looking to re-educate, attending classes, and re-educate themselves so that they can be, you know, make a difference in a market that will welcome their age and experience, but also healthcare costs? I mean, as we get older, and if you don't have insurance, or if you do, or who knows what the heck is going on with with the Affordable Care Act, healthcare costs are going to skyrocket. You need a colonoscopy in your 50s and 60s. And all of these things are what are so worrisome. So this, I love this question. And here's what I love about it. Because 
I never expected to be landing here. My background is not working on age solutions. Sometimes the most powerful ideas come from solving our own problems. The other thing, I'm curious in the world. And curiosity allows me to think about what am I interested in? Because I, uh, I think for us, uh, at this age and stage, it's going to be difficult for us to randomly pick a career that we have no interest in, have to go back for training that we maybe can't afford. Um, I think it is starting kind of what I call smaller steps. What are we interested in? Where mm-hmm. might we volunteer? Many of us are going to be looking at uh, what I call a uh, a casserole of work. We're not going to just have one income. We're going to be cobbling together uh, income. So many of my friends, women friends, are doing Airbnb. They're empty nesters. They have a daughter or son's uh, bedroom that they're renting that out. There's a reason there are more Uber drivers over 50 than under 30. So people doing short consultancies in D.C., there's a um, a company called Boomerworks that actually works with um, adults who've had W-2s their whole life and are now looking at how do I create that casserole that might include some entrepreneurial uh, dimensions, might include uh, some Airbnb, might include a consultancy. So we're having to rethink how we're going to uh, live these next couple of decades. I think that's a great answer. And entrepreneurship seems to me to be a place. There are so many opportunities now to learn different things, to do something else, to do your own startup that you can work from home. And more and more people are working from home. So, you know, I think that there is an opportunity, but it's definitely takes research and exploration and finding something that you actually are interested in, passionate about, or have the ability to even do. So, so kind of wrap it up for us. Your best advice. And then I, I would, uh, yeah, go on. And then I, and I was going to say, we have to then look at also the cost size. So if you're living in a 2,500-square-foot uh, house, maybe you can't afford that. Maybe you have to consider getting a roommate. There's a reason that 40% of the tiny houses are people over 50. We are, what this book is, is our contemporaries exploring what to do in the meantime and how they are flourishing and then, you know, where they're floundering. Because right now we are out here without a map or a net. We've never been here with so many people going to live this long on such meager resources. So we are making it up as we go along and we are learning from each other in the meantime. I agree completely. So give us your best advice. What do you want older people, baby boomers, people from 50 up to think about when they are starting to think about this. Give them something they can use right now, a practical tip, a practical tool, something from your book that says, start with this, try and do this, look to your local community college, look to give us some practical tips and then tell people where they can find your book. 
what saved me was a resilient circle. What's a resilient circle? When you're in this space, when you land here, you feel shame, you're embarrassed, nobody's talking about it, you think you're alone. I eventually started meeting with a group of people who had landed here, and we were all in different stages of this, and it was a place to vent. It was a place when you, because you will have moments of despair, that you could talk to somebody who had been through this and maybe was a little bit ahead of you, and it was also a place where we could share information and resources. When I wrote this book, I wrote it with that in mind. For people to be able to read this book together. So let's say you don't, your friendship circle doesn't know yet. Your fake is so good, your family and friends don't know you've landed here. Libraries have become these big community centers. There are people writing me. They've done their resilient circle in a library, working with a librarian who posted it and got a circle together where they order the books and then go through this process there. Churches are another place. They have ministries about uh, how to get out of debt, etc. This kind of exercise would fit there. Why do I start there? There is despair here and shame, and you cannot operate from an empowered space when that's paralyzing you. So the first step, and with the book at the end of each chapter, I suggest some reflection questions that help my group when we were going through this. I would have people start there. It is absolutely great advice because that is what we all have to think about, what we can do, what we have done, and what we want to look forward to being able to do. And it really is great advice. And again, the book is called 55 Underemployed and Faking Normal, Your Guide to a Better Life by Elizabeth White. Thank you so much for joining us. And you can listen to these shows at RadioMD.com. And you can also listen wherever podcasts are played on iTunes, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. But we want you to listen at RadioMD.com. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for tuning in and stay well.